Hey everybody, hope you're doing well. Uh, Parshas B'Shalach, do a little bit quicker this week, uh, just because I've been a little busy. Um, but as always, we start with a recap. Vahib B'Shalach Paro, right? Obviously, Hakosh Baruch takes Bnei Israel out of Mitzrayim, and he takes them away from the Plishtim on the way to Eretz Yisrael, uh, because, as we'll talk about the first puzzle, right, because Hashem didn't want them to see a war. Okay, well, we'll have to figure out what that means exactly. Uh, Paro changes his mind again, and obviously the Mitzrayim charge after Bnei Israel. The Bnei Israel freak out. Hashem tells them not to dive and just go into the into Yamsuf. Sea splits. Egyptians drown. Az Yashir, right? That you're familiar. Uh, Miriam leads out the women in song. Uh, there is the the, the Mon. Akosh Baruch Hu gives Bnei Israel bread from Shemaim. Uh, he teaches them about Shabbos. Do have a double portion of Mon. Uh, running quickly, right? there's no water right? in Mara. Ben Israel gets some bunch of halachos. Moshe hits the rock for them to, to for the bear Miriam, and finally the fight with Amalek uh, and the victory and the commandment to remember Amalek forever. So let's just talk about quickly a couple of issues. Uh, first pasuk uh, has to be mentioned. Just the name of the parsha, right? We got to talk about the first pasuk. took out of Egypt. It was when Paro sent them out. Hashem did not take them to the, towards the land of the Plishtim because it was close. Because Hashem said maybe they'll see a war and they'll run back to Mitzrayim. So what's going on over here? First of all, most notably, what was the reason Kosh Baruch didn't take Bnei Israel through the Eretz Plishtim. Was it Kikarovu? Was it because it was close? Or was it because of the war? Is that the same thing? Is that not the same thing? Right? Why does it say Ki twice? Right? It seems to, if it was the same reason, why didn't it just say Ki, which means because? Why didn't it just say Ki once? What's going on over here? So, simple shot, Rashi, Ibn Ezra, the Rashbam, where he says that, like, as Bnei Israel saw pretty much immediately, right, Amalek at the end of the Parsha attacked them, right, that, that Kosh Baruch was trying to save them from uh, an immediate conflict. He thought that was not the best thing for them to do, uh, and he didn't, therefore, didn't take them out towards uh, the lands of the Plishtim. Okay, uh, obviously, he was unsuccessful, but uh, quote unquote unsuccessful, right? Amalek attacked them in the, in, in the end, uh, and that's one of the reasons why we, you know, they attacked Bnei Israel on the way out of Mitzrayim. We have to talk about that also, uh, but uh, okay, fine, that's a pleasure shot. Uh, das Kenim Balitoso says something interesting. He says that the Lushan of Karov, right, the word Karov, Ki Karovu, because the land was close, Karov also can mean a relative, right? That's a, a, a Karov in Hebrew is a relative. So he says two possibilities. Either Kosh Baruch was a Karov of Bnei Israel, or the Plishtim were Krovim uh, of Mitzrayim, meaning that Kosh Baruch was a quote-unquote a Karov of Bnei Israel, therefore he, he wanted to take care of them. And therefore, didn't want to take them in that manner. Uh, the uh, or you could say that the Plishtim were a karov, or relatives of Mitzrayim, and Kosh Baruch right, It was very possible that they would avenge, uh, the, you know, the deaths and, and, and of the Mitzrayim. So Kosh Baruch didn't want to take them that way. Okay, fine. Uh, the, the the wild medrash is perhaps as many some of you have heard uh, is that Kosh Baruch didn't want them to see the war that had happened already. What had happened already? What war had happened already? They'd been in Mitzrayim for 210 years. So the measure says that the Bnei Ephraim, the 300,000 Jews from Ephraim, uh, miscalculated the time of the Geula. Right? The Bnei Israel were there for 400 years. Uh, the count in the end starts from the birth of Yitzchak. They calculated it earlier from the Brisbane of Asarim when Avram was told that his children would be uh, slaves for 400 years. So they miscalculated, and basically, according to their calculations, they broke out. 
uh, of Mitzrayim, 300,000 strong. Uh, and then they ended up, they met the Amalekim and the Plishtim on the way, and they were slaughtered. And they were all killed, and, the bo- and their bodies were piled high. So the first thing that Kosh Baruch Hu didn't want B'nai Yisrael to see right, was their slaughtered brethren. Right again, they, these people again from the Bnei Israel's point of view, they three hundred thousand Jews. Right, they broke out. Obviously, they knew about this. Right, three, they never saw them ever again. Right, they had no idea what happened to them. Right, and the first thing they're going to see if they go right out of Mitzrayim, right towards Eretz Israel, is the bones of 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 the Bnei Ephraim. That's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing for Bnei Israel to see. So that's the measures that says the Kosh Baruch didn't take them that way. He took them in another direction. Okay, I had always thought that perhaps we can understand. Um, the parsha slightly differently, uh, and this connects the 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 parsha's beginning with with its end. A lot of uh, you know, parshanim try to make a connection between the beginning of a parsha and the end of the parsha. Okay, I think this is uh, perhaps a shot that has a lesson for us, and it also uh, how it helps us to connect uh, the beginning and the end. Anyway, the Torah says by by uh, in parsha kisetze, right? Also about Amalek, right? Zachor asher salacha Amalek baderech. Right? Remember what Amalek did to you right, on the way out of Mitzrayim, right, when you left Mitzrayim. And the Siva Shalom points out that there's one word that's extra in that Pasuk. Right? Again, that's not in our, it's not in our Parsha, but it is about Amalek, right? That Pasuk, what's the extra word there? The extra Pasuk is Baderech. Right? Remember what Amalek did to you when you left Egypt. Why is it say that you didn't need to say the word Baderech? You could have just, could have just said, "Remember what Amalek did to you when you left Egypt." Why does it say, "Remember what Amalek did to you on the path when you left Egypt"? What path? What do you mean, path on the, on the path? Right? Remember what Amalek did to you on the path when you left Egypt. Why? Why mention what path? What do you, what do you have to even mention that? Just tell me, remember what Amalek did to you when you left Egypt. So Nesiva Shalom says that we're all on a path. Right, in this world. Right, we're on a path to Olam Haba. Right, life is a journey. Right, you've heard it before. It's cliche, but you've heard it before. People are born in one place. They end up in an entirely different place by the time life is over. Right, not physically, but spiritually. I mean, physically also possibly, right, if, if you move. But spiritually, I mean, a person is a different human being, has accomplished so much, right, spiritually, personally, emotionally, right, uh, by the time they're done, right, the people's lives, the people's entire life is a story, right, it's a, to- it's a story, the world is in motion, right, people's lives are at the center of their own little story, right, and they go from point A to point B. This is perhaps, right, again, this is, this is, Shalom says, this is what the Torah meant to connote with the word derech, right, when the, when the Jews had just come out of Egypt, right, they're beginning their national journey, Right, they're traveling on a path towards our Sinai. Right, we talk about this usually during Sefirot Omer that Bnei Israel left, or certainly by uh, Itzias Mitzrayim by, by Pesach, Bnei Israel left on the 49th level of Tumah. They were going up. They're going to spend every single day going up another level. They're going to get to our Sinai at the top, at the at the first level of Tumah. Right, it took 49 days to wash off, to try and wash off, right, to get to the higher level of, of Kedusha, right, so they could to, so they could get the Torah. Right, they were growing. Right, they were going on. They're embarking on a, on a you know their their national sacred journey. And a Malik attacked them, right? A Malik tried to knock them off course, right? To stop the journey from ever taking place, right? This says in the Sivu Shalom is what the Torah meant when it said Baderach, right? That each one of us is on a journey. And a Malik, uh, who, who he says, you know, is, is as a uh, symbolism of the Zietzahara, the Malachamavas, etc. That that kind of, uh, that is, that's trying to, trying to get us off course, right? Evil in this world, right? Is trying to get us off course, off course. Uh, so, and that's what, why a Malik has to be destroyed. And if, if that's true, that the word derech means a spiritual, personal life path, then maybe you can use that understanding to explain 
right? The pasuk in our parsha. What does the pasuk say? Again, just to just to recap, right? Right, Paro sent out the Jews. Hashem didn't take them towards the derech eretz plishtim kikarovu because it was close. What was the derech eretz plishtim? Again, the, perhaps the words kikarovu. What's close? What was close? That doesn't refer to the land, but maybe the derech, the derech eretz plishtim, the way of the plishti way of life, the culture of the plishtim had a very similar way of life, a very similar culture to the Egyptians. Right, as uh, you know, we say that we say that uh, in Parshas Achrimos, that by the Arayos, right, that uh, the Eretz Maaser is Canaan, Maaser is Plishtim, Maaser is Mitzrayim. Um, what's the pasuk over there? As Maaser Eretz Mitzrayim, Los Azuv, As Maaser is Canaan, something like that. So to the fact, don't do those type of things. And meaning, we link the 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 immorality of Eretz Canaan of the of the nations in Eretz Israel to the immorality. Right, before Ben Israel got there, obviously, right to the immorality right, of Mitzrayim. Right, they had a similar culture. So Kosh Baruch Hu was nervous, right, that Ben Israel just spent 210 years out of Egypt, right, they're trying to get out of this level of Tumah. Now you're going to take them into another environment, right, another uh, another country that has the same spiritual vibe. So the Pesach therefore means this: Kosh Baruch Hu didn't want to take the Jews out of Egypt and towards the Plishtim because it was close. The Plishti way of life was similar to the Egyptian way of life. The Jews would perhaps be influenced like they were by the Egyptians, and maybe they would re- revert back to their Egyptian ways. Right? But then, right, uh, was the end of the passage says, that Kosh Baruch Hu said, maybe the Jews will, will, will change their mind when they see a war. What war? The war of the Sahara, the war of fighting and, and trying to accomplish and trying to grow spiritually. Right? And they'll go back to Mitzrayim, meaning they would go back to their ways when they're in Mitzrayim, go back to the 49th level uh, of Tumah. Uh, and, and, and that's, so that's exactly, that's perhaps a very, very powerful, powerful lesson. You know, again, that's what, you know, what we kind of, the vibe that we find ourselves in, the, the, the environment, again, we talk about this all the time, but the environment that we find ourselves in, right, has a real, had a real impact and to the point where Kosh Baruch Hu didn't want Bnei Yisrael having the influences that they'd had for 200 years, right, he's trying to break them out of jail, right, and, or, or get them away from this spiritual fight that they were having for 200 years, and then when they got to, he didn't want them to have to jump right back into it, right, while they were traveling, right, towards Eretz Yisrael. Um, and again, after Mitzrayim, Bnei Yisrael went on this spiritual journey, right, and Kosh Baruch Hu wanted to make sure it'd be as successful as possible, to the point where he took them on a roundabout way, right, so that they could avoid right, the pitfalls. And it's something we have to think about, you know, when we go on uh, our own, even our own journey, right, our own uh, spiritual journey, personal journey, and even when we go on an actual journey, right, when we go, let's say, on vacation or whatever, do we do we necessarily avoid the potential spiritual pitfalls? Uh, you know, do we kind of, or do we just, you know, cause assume that we'll be okay? It's not always true. It's not always true that we'll be okay. Uh, you know, if the environment around us is is not great, um, okay, fine. That's that's uh, that's that's. Yeah, you know, I think enough of that. Uh, the Puzzle says right, by uh, Yamsuf, Kriyas Yamsuf, and again, I realize I'm jumping here a lot. We're not going to spend so much time on Ezra here. Um, the Puzzle says after Kriyas Yamsuf, fascinating Puzzle, at least for a Balkore. I apologize uh, for being a Balkore, but the Puzzle says not Vayisa Moshe. Espinay Israel, it says Vayasa. 
Moshe Yisrael. Right, it's the same word, Vav Yud Samach Ayin, but if you're not careful, right, you'll pronounce it wrong when you're leaning. Right, usually, Vaisa means to travel, and you have that Pesach all over, all over the Chumash, that Vaisa B'nai Yisrael, that they tra- traveled. But the Pesach says, Vayasa Moshe Miyamsuf. Moshe made, Vayasa, it means that Moshe made B'nai Yisrael travel. I mean, Vaisa is that they traveled, and Vayasa is someone made them travel. So, the, as Rashi points out, right, again, that the Moshe forced them to leave Kriyas Yamsuf. Right, and the Bnei Yisrael, again, you know, the Midrashim, the Bnei Yisrael kind of came out on the same side. They saw the Egyptian bodies, they got all of the gold and the riches, and they were collecting all of the wealth, etc. Right, so, the, so the Moshe had to drag Bnei Yisrael out of there from, from taking uh, all of of the loot and that kind of you know that that kind of that imagery paints based on a, in a bad light um so i, I mean i thought to, to interpret it slightly differently uh, based on the measures that i like to quote the measures i heard from uh, Raviv, uh, he quotes the sifri the sifri says again i've mentioned before and i apologize for for repeating but the sifri writes at the end of the torah right that when the, when the malachim was trying to find moshe at the end of his life right moshe he wasn't there right he couldn't find him he went to mitzrayim couldn't find him medrash says he went to kriyas yamsuf he went to yamsuf couldn't find him he went to arsinai couldn't find him when he went to the place where korach had his pit couldn't find him. Right? He could, went to the place where uh, they fought Sichon and Og. Couldn't find him. Finally, Malcolm Abba said, Kosh Baruch I can't find him. You can have him. And then, obviously, Kosh Baruch right, took Moshe himself. What's the message of that Medrash? So, as Rav Chagai explained, that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, Moshe was always moving. Right? He was never resting on his laurels. Right? He was always accomplishing. He never stood still. Uh, spiritually, right? He, he did the Nisim in Mitzrayim, fantastic. Then he did the Nisim in Yamsuf, fantastic. Kept on moving. He brought Bnei Israel to Mara. He brought Bnei Israel at Fort Amalek. He went, brought Bnei Israel to to Harsinai. After that, right, he tried to bring them to Eretz Yisrael, Fotzi Chononog, etc., etc. He never stopped. Right? Moshe never stopped. And Moshe was always accomplishing. So he and, and similarly, why did then did Bnei, Moshe have to move Bnei Israel from Yamsuf? Where they saw Kosh Baruch so clearly, right? The Major says that the Shifcha and Kriyas Yamsuf saw things that Yechezkel Ben Buzi didn't see when he saw the Maaser Merkava. Right? Yechezkel saw had a vision of Shamayim that he that he wrote down in the Navi, describing the sapphire, you know, chariot, throne, etc., with all the pictures of the of the Seraphim, etc. Says that a Shifcha, a lowly a lowly maid, saw more. Uh, of a Kosh Baruch Hu, saw more during Kriyas Yamsuf than Yechazkel saw. So, B'nai Yisrael, rightfully, probably wanted to stay there for a very long time, both spiritually, because of the revelation and the miracle, right, and financially, because they got all these jewels, right, and, and it was just an, inc- just an incredible nace, and that they, obviously, I would imagine, wanted to live in the moment. So Moshe, I would imagine, Vayasa, had to get them out of there. He had to explain to them to get moving. He had to take them out. He had to move them actively, because, and to tell them that this is not how life works. Right, you can't live in the past. Right, this is great. This is amazing. But you got to keep accomplishing. Right, even right if your past accomplishments are amazing, but you still got to keep on moving. You still got our job is to still keep on growing. Right, Yaakov Avinu, Right, Yaakov Avinu wanted to relax finally, and right, Vaisha uh, Yaakov, and then all of a sudden you know this trouble with Yosef, etc., etc. Oh, we have to keep on accomplishing. We have to keep on moving, and that's why Vayasa, well, Bnei Yisrael, Moshe had to actively get Bnei Yisrael right, to move out from Yamsuf. And sure enough, he was right. What was the next accomplishment? They went to Arsinai right, and they got the Torah, and then they got to Eretz Yisrael, and so forth and so on, right? They kept on moving up the spiritual ladder. And this is a, a Musa that is very, very relevant for us uh, because after a spiritual accomplishment, right, we are very, very, very susceptible to a letdown. 
Right, again, whether it's Yom Kippur after a spiritual high or going to seminary or yeshiva for a year or two or, or smaller things like making a seum, which is not so small to be honest, but okay, whatever. Or, uh, you know, anytime there's some sort of spiritual accomplishment, we all very often we feel like we could relax a little bit. And that is when uh, it is very, very dangerous and the Yitzhahara has an ability to get us. Um, and we could, for whatever reason, we feel like we can, you know, we can rest on our laurels. Uh, and it's not really true, right? Again, it's an amazing accomplishment, whatever you do, but you got to keep on striving, right? When we make a seum, we don't say mazel tov, we say hadron Allah, or I'm going to come back, right? I'm coming back right now. I'm going to keep on going, right? Not yay, I finished, right? I'll, I'll return to you, right? Because when we have to keep on going, right? When you, you have to start the mesechta right, that day or the next day, if you're doing dafiyami, whatever, don't, don't let it sit. Right, if you have a special Shabbaton, right, you got to take steps to make sure the next Shabbos is just as special. Right, if you if you did some great Chesed or overcame the Yitzhahara, you don't have to make sure you don't say that you can. Oh, now I can relax. Now I don't have to do anything. Now I'm free. I I, I check the box. Now I can think of personally. I can think of so many times when I had a great spiritual accomplishment, uh, whatever it was, when I came home and just you know did nothing, sat on my couch the entire evening and, and failed to accomplish. Right, all in all in the name of you know relaxing, quote unquote, relaxing. Relaxing is important, but it has to be done right with uh, cognizantly, not just so you just sit there. You know, after learning a great uh, morning seder, you don't just sit and bum around the rest of the day just because you know you feel like you you put in the effort. So that's the most for us, right? To keep on going, right? Even as even after seeing Kosh Baruch Hu, right? Like just like the Shifcha on Yamsuf, right? Saw Kosh Baruch Hu, can't stay there. You can't stay there. You can revel in the accomplishment 100%, and you can look back and be proud of yourself. But the, the move is, you got to move on. You got to keep on accomplishing. Uh, and that's uh, that's the Musar of, of Vayasa. Uh, moving on to the Mun. Kosh Baruch Hu gives B'nai Israel the Mun, obviously, the, to the bread in the desert, raining from Shemayim. Puzzle says, fascinating puzzle. Right? He said, Hashem tells Moshe, okay, I'm going to bring you guys bread from the heaven. B'nai Yisrael are going to go out every single day and gather it. And what's the purpose of the man? So that I can test you if you will follow the Torah or not. And everybody, all the commentaries, immediately ask, What are you talking about? <laughs> what, what kind of test? What do you mean? The man is a test? I thought B'nai Yisrael was getting food in the desert. What do you mean a test? <laughs> the the mon is a test. Hashem can test us if we're going to follow the Torah. What is it? What is that? It's like some sort of like I'll keep you alive if you listen to me, but if you don't, I'm not. What what is going on over here? How in the world is the mon a test? So the, the comment, the the opinions obviously uh, are across the spectrum. Rashi, for example, says very simply that it's just the mitzvahs that are associated with the mon. Right? There are a couple of halachos that Hashem gave Bnei Israel. I'm going to test you and see if you can deal with this. Right? I'm, I'm, you can't leave it over until tomorrow. Right? Don't go out on Shabbos to get it. Right? And, uh, and that's pretty much it. Right? That, that's pretty much it. So that's what Rashi says. Right? What's the test? The test is the halachos that are associated with it. Okay, fine. The Ramban says the test is going to is the fact that they're in the desert with no recourse, that they're solely res, re, uh, dependent on the mon. Right, they're not getting any food anywhere else. Right, there's there's no water. There's nowhere for them to go and get food. Right, the test is yeah, well, you're getting food from the sky every single morning. I'm telling you that it's coming every single day, but there's always going to be that doubt. Maybe it's not. Right, it's a big test. No one has ever seen this before. No one has ever heard of this before. Right, it, again, it's not. There's no technology here. This is, you know, God is literally dropping bread at their doorstep. 
uh, where they've never had that before. So is it going to come the next day? Yeah, okay, is it going to come? Is it going to come? I'd imagine after a bunch of years they got used to it, but certainly in the beginning... I'm sure they were probably freaking out. So that was the that was the that was the test that if they would have a munibitach on the kosh baruch that he would actually uh, take care of them. The Rechaim's interpretation is for me, I think, what's most relevant to us and one of the most fascinating interpretations that I've probably ever heard. Uh, the Rechaim says that what is the test? The test is when you don't need to do anything for food, how do you spend your time? When you are getting literal, literally bread dropped at your doorstep and water coming from a rock, and you have to do no work, to do nothing, and you're getting taken care of, how do you spend the test is how you When a person is idle, when a person has no responsibilities, the only thing they need to do is you know, learn Torah, study mitzvahs, etc., etc., that's when things are most dangerous. When you have no obligations, how do you spend your time? What do you do? when uh you know when you're off when you have no no responsibilities and this to be honest this is our test this is for uh, you know c- certainly for for teens and and you know kids people in their early 20s at least in, in the world that i'm i'm usually speaking to right you're not usually scraping for food right working long hours to make ends meet right usually you know teenagers and, and early 20 year olds if you're in college or whatever you get your meals paid for right whether it's by the parents coming from the school or whatever and and the question is how are you spending your time I just to illustrate, like at YU, again, I had tremendous cars I tell for my parents for paying for room and board at YU, even though I lived in New York. I, I, I'm old enough to, at the time, I probably did not appreciate it. Nowadays, I definitely appreciate it immensely. Uh, and that I basically lived at YU. I had a calf card and I went to the cafeteria to get food. They had always had meals and extra food, etc. Uh, and I would imagine, I mean, I'll just talk about Sultan, but I would imagine. That in Shemayim, I'll end up somewhat getting taken to task for the amount of time that I wasted there. Not that I wasted my time. I obviously, you know, think, feel like I accomplished a tremendous amount. But it was a situation of monument at Shemayim. Right? It was, it was a time to study. It was a time to learn uh, learn a trade, study Torah, etc. Me getting a room and board at YU right, wasn't so I could just sit Sunday afternoons and watch football for 12 hours. Right? What, what do you do with your time when you have no responsibilities, when you don't need to work the fields and plant, etc. Right? When I was in the Griskola, sort of Miller, the Roshiva used to always say, it's Bechinas Monument HaShemayim. Right? It's Bechinas Monument HaShemayim. You're getting room, you're getting bored. All, all, all you got to do, not bored with B-O-R-E-D, B-O-A-R-D. I mean, you're getting food, you're getting, you're getting housing, you're getting electricity, you're getting everything. Everything is paid for. That's the test. It says that's the test that the wealth, wealthy people have to face that poor people don't have to face, for example. Now, obviously, poor have, the poor have their own tests, but the rich have to have to face that time, that type of test. And frankly, right, people who are blessed, you know, with so much abundance nowadays, right, we have to answer for the fact that we don't need to, you know, go plant the fields, plow the fields, water the fields, reap the sheaves of wheat, process the wheat, grind it to make it flour, mix to make dough, bake to make bread. I mean, that's a six-month process, and we go down the block and buy a package of pita for like eight shekel. Like, what, what are we doing with that extra time, right? We don't have to go down to the well for water, right? It comes through a tap. Right? We don't need to milk the cows in, in the barn for milk. Right, It's at the store for pennies. Right? Compared to the work, we used, we used to have to go get it. What are we doing with that extra time? Right? Again, it's, just, it's a big segula to say Parsha Salman this week. If you haven't said it, you, know, you can still say it. Right, They say, okay, on the Tuesday, whatever, that's the chidah. Fine, why not? you can still say Parsha Salman this week. 
part of what the Parsha Saman and the whole concept of Man is that we need to think about, right, what we should be thinking about when we say it, right? A person always gets Man Min HaShamayim, right? Nothing ever comes down more or less than what we need, right? Kosh Baruch Hu gave us this Man, right, to show that it's not only in the desert that he's dropping Man at our, at our doorstep. It's even nowadays we have to do the Ishtadlis for it, okay? Ishtadlis is our Ishtadlis nowadays is a little bit different than they had in the desert, okay? Fine. But the Man, right, the Man was... It was an exact amount, right? It wasn't any more or any less, right? You weren't allowed to take more or less, right? That was part of the halachos. It came down to perfectly exactly what everybody needed, right? What every family needed. And this is one of the reasons why they put the mon in the bottle, right? And put it in the Aron Kodesh. That's it. Right? Moshe told Aaron to take mon and uh, a bottle of mon and put it in the Aron. It's not just like a remembrance of how nice a Kosh Borhu was in the desert. Right? It's a lesson for life. Right, This is how Gosh Baruch sustains us. Not through miraculous mon anymore, okay, fine, but through through the more natural, quote-unquote, of Heshtadlis and Parnassah. But it's still mon. Right? It's nothing more, nothing less. We get exactly what we're supposed to, right? as, as the Gemara says. So, the Ramban, again, the Ramban points out in the Puzzik in, in Dvarim right, that, that the mon, right, if you look at the Dvarim, Periches, oh, oh I, don't have, I don't have it in front of me. Um, if you look at Parachas, Pesach Bay is over there. So the man was all about creating a sense of imuna and bitachon, right, in Am Yisrael, uh, for the future. And and that's that's what we should, we need to be thinking about, right? This week when we have Parsha Saman, right, that our Hashtadlus is just a way to be zocha to the man. Right? It's not that we're getting, when we're being, again, we talked about this a ton also, that it's not that our efforts are the what's creating the Parnasa. Kosh Baruch is giving us the Parnasa. We just have to put in the work, right, and then. Kosh Baruch will rain it down for us, and we get exactly what we're supposed to get. Right? That's exa- we get exactly what we need. That's the beginnings of man, uh, and the lessons that we have for nowadays. Okay, finally, just one more, uh, just one more quick vort. I saw a beautiful vort. Uh, in the name of Ksav Sofer, uh, Rav Melech points out that uh, Moshe builds him his beach, right after the war with Amalek, right at the very end of the parsha. Moshe builds him his beach. Pazik says, Moshe built him his beach after the war. Shemo Hashem Nisi. And he called the name of the Mizbeach Hashem, my miracle, or my miracle that Hashem did for me. So, as Rashi said, right, that, that's what Rashi says, right? That's, Hashem did for us a great miracle. So, except Sofer says, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where has everybody been? Right? We're, we're holding in Parshish B'Shalach, right? We started in Shmos. Right? Now there's a miracle? <laughs> what do you, now you build a Mizbeach? For Hashem and say Hashem did a great miracle for me. Like what, what, nothing else was a great miracle. Then we just get through like ten plagues, splitting of the sea, like all these crazy nature bending things. What do you mean now? Now you build a mizbeach? So it says except so far. Yeah, exactly. That all of those miracles that we had up until now were open miracles. But a malik, a malik was a war. Right, a malik was a natural. You know, something that could have been explained away by the naysayers, right? Just like by Hanukkah, right? Am I all right? So that the nays of the Shaman was in order to shed light on the nays of the war, right? That the Jews defeated the Romans, and we had the we had the miracle of the, of the Pacha Shaman just to, to point out that oh, by the way, that war that you just won that was also a miracle. So Moshe, so too over here, Moshe built him his bath to tell everybody, listen, make no mistake, this was a miracle, just like everything else that we just went through. As the Torah testifies, right? If you remember from the from the parsha, when Moshe raised his hands, but his soul was stronger. But when they fell, Amalek got stronger, right? That's a puzzle, right? When he raised his hands, he gave Israel, right? And when Moshe his hands were strong, were heavy, right? And and when he lowered them, he gave Amalek. Okay, so Rashi there quotes the Gemara at the end of Rosh Hashanah, right? Obviously, it wasn't Moshe's arms. What the Torah seems to imply that it was Moshe's arms 
If they were up, Bnei Yisrael were winning. If they were down, Bnei Yisrael were losing. Like, what, what did Moshe's arms have to do with the battle? So Rashi quotes that Gemara. That obviously, it wasn't Moshe's arms. It's just Bnei Yisrael. Whether they looked at Shemayim or not, when Moshe had his arms up at Sh- at, a, at Shemayim, so they looked, they realized, they remembered, oh, Kosh Baruch was the one who's in charge of things here, and they were they were they were Zocha to to be more victorious. But when Moshe's arms dropped, and and symbolic figure, figuratively, Bnei Yisrael forgot that it was a Kosh Baruch who right, helping them win. So then they were they were less successful. Similar to the if you remember for the copper snake, right? The end of Parshas Chukas, Moshe puts uh, put, you know, get bitten get bitten by the snake, and Moshe puts uh, you know Hashem tells Moshe make a copper snake and put it on a on a pole, and anybody who got bit by the snake will look at this copper snake and and see. And then everybody's like, whoa, whoa that's that's smacks of Avodah Everybody obviously the Parshanim explained that it wasn't the snake, right? It's not the snake that that heals. Right? It's Kosh Baruch They would be down on the floor, injured from the snake bite, and they'd look up and be like, all right. Shem Shemayim, right? Kosh Baruch Hu. Kosh Baruch Hu is the one who sends the snakes. Kosh Baruch Hu is the one who heals me, right? And then that's when they would be healed. So that's what we need to remember, right? That everything is from is from Kosh Baruch Hu, right? Even the things that seems to be uh, so convoluted and backwards that we don't even understand how it happened, right? Everything is from everything is from Hashem, um, and uh, and and even our even our atzlachas, even our efforts, right? We put in the effort, but really the atzlacha uh, and the Sadat Shema is from. Is from Agash Baruch right? Melech tells a story about how the Yeshiva in Panovich, and not in, in Bnei Brak, but in Panovich, the original Panovich, right, in, in Lithuania, right, when the Yeshiva got started, so the Yeshiva tried to, wanted to buy a, a building, and he needed, the, the, the guy who was selling the building, it was apparently, you know, a big sale, whatever, he needed the money very quickly, he said, he said, give me 5,000 rubles, again, Lithuania used to be in, 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 uh, in Russia, if I'm not mistaken, or at least that was the currency they were using, uh, and she said, "Give me five thousand rubles now. I need forty-five thousand in three weeks." So she said, "Okay, so fine." Said, "I'll raise the money." So sure enough, uh, obviously the stories go, he was unable to raise the money, and uh, not only was he not going to get the building, but he was going to lose his original five thousand ruble investment. So she tells the story that the night before he was supposed to pay it back, two people came. Two two uh, Jews came to him in the middle of the night, uh, or he was I guess he was out learning right. He was uh, came back late and they waited for him at his house. And they said, you know, we 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 Hashem, we we arranged to to marry off our, our children, and we have the nedunya, which is the the dowry, is forty five thousand rubles, and we wanted you to hold on to it right until the wedding. Right, wedding's in you know, a couple of months. We wanted you to hold on to it. So Panevichov said, no problem, uh, on the condition that I give it back to you in th- in, in three months time. So they said, okay, fine, Seder, well, the wedding isn't sold then anyway. Okay, no problem. So they gave the Rav, sure enough, they gave the, the Shiva 45,000 rubles, exactly what he needed, and he was able to, you know, night before the deadline or something like that, as the story goes, and he was able to pay back, uh, he's able to pay back the, uh, uh, you know, the loan, and then they, you know, the Shiva got the building. As the story goes, you know, a couple weeks later, right, the, the two Jews come back to the Rosh Shiva and they said, you know, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but the, the wedding got canceled. Right? The engagement got canceled. Uh, can we get the money back? And the Rosh Shiva said, well, uh, you gave me three months. Can you give me three months until I get you the money? I'll get you the money in three months. And they say, so they, reluctantly they, they agreed. And the Rosh Shiva by then was able to, to get the sum of money. But it said, it says, Ramelech, look at what a coach who arranged right just to enable to to pay off uh the thing they think that it's something that seemed to be first of all coach broker arranged the shidduch then the shidduch did not work out and that seemed to be a great tragedy but these two 
I guess not Mechutanim, had the had the great schus of basically establishing right the uh, the yeshiva in Panovich, right, which they apparently never would have done on their own. Because Baruch had to work it that okay, the you know, why exactly it needed to be with a broken engagement? I don't know all the Kashbarkos Kashbanos, but but they weren't going to just give the Rosh forty five thousand on his own or loan him that money. They needed that, that that's Hashem was megalgal all these things to happen just so that uh, you know they, they would be able to. Uh, set up the yeshiva. So we really, uh, all of our ashtadlis, right, we don't really know. We just do what we can. Kosh Baruch is working things behind the scenes, right? Really, he's the source of our atlacha. Um, and, uh, and you know, if I crush him, Hashem, you see that everything is a miracle. Everything is from a Kosh Baruch Hu, even the things that are not as obvious. Uh, you know, like, like the non, right, as, we, as we said, the Ramban at the end of Parshish Bo, right, the non-obvious miracles, the the, the hidden the hidden miracles are also from a Kosh Baruch Hu, right? and if we recognize this, then we'll be zocha to even more Nisim and Niflos, right? Have a tremendous, tremendous Shabbos.